podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those co-hosts shout him All right, welcome into a special edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here with you for the Burrow-sode. It sounds good, I think. I, we just made it up. It might be bad. I don't know if the name's good, but that's what it is. All things Joe Burrow at the midway point. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great. I feel like if you put Burrow in anything, it's it's good. It's a good start. People good. want to know about Joe Burrow, and he's playing really well. So you just attach his name to anything, and you're off and running. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you want to know more about Joe Burrow, today is your day at The Athletic. We had our uh, unveiling of our grand Joe Burrow at the Midway Point package, uh, which includes Jay, of course, Jay's deep dive into the stats of the first half of Joe Burrow compared to Basically, the 20 best rookie quarterback seasons that you've seen in the last going back to Peyton Manning. I like that patient zero in playing <laughs> in playing quarterbacks right away, as you mentioned in your in your piece and comparing first half to second half and looking at those guys and where Burrow ranks and through what he's done through the first half. Really awesome stuff, um, which I've enjoyed and uh, and a, a couple couple really really interesting conclusions that came out of it that i'm excited for us to talk about in a little bit also i have a story up that i spent all week last week working on and as as much fun as i've had writing a story in a long time uh i was able to talk to basically the five coaches that work most directly with joe burrow that's zach taylor offensive coordinator brian callahan quarterbacks coach dan pitcher offensive assistant brad cragthorpe and assistant head coach slash special teams coordinator darren simmons many people don't realize also played quarterback uh back in the day um but they all go in depth i asked them their three favorite burrow plays and each of them had some version of the same response three how am i gonna only how am i supposed to parse this down for you uh but all of them i gotta i gotta credit them a little bit I mean, coaches can – we talk a lot about coaches and paranoia across the league and not wanting certain things, you know, everything close to the vest. This was the opposite of that. I think the staff understands how much people want to know and how important it is people understand what Burrow's doing. They were such open books, uh, diving into the details of what has made – and really that was kind of my big theme of this that came out of it for me was we've all seen the obvious great plays that Joe Burrow has made. The details are far more impressive when you find out these things about what he actually was doing on some of these plays, and they dive deep into all of this. So I ended up with nine. I had a few got cut. Don't worry. I, some Twib's going to have some deleted scenes for you uh, later this week. Uh, just at some point, there's just too many words, Jay. Like it's hard. It's hard. You you know. It's like we're, I know we're all supposed to be deep dive, but like I, my scuba gear might not work when you go to a certain level uh, of, of deep. Uh, so that was that. That's all up now on the site. Of course, we have our discount going. So if you want to go, there's there's discount subscriptions there. If you are not a subscriber and want to read both of those pieces, we hope that if you are, well, thank you for joining. We hope pieces like these are why you do. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point. I was going to say this is like the the quintessential why I subscribe to the athletic piece. And you, you mentioned all the words. Don't, I know this is a short attention span society. Don't let that sway you from, from reading this piece because it's, it's broken up into sections so that it is, I mean, I just plowed through it this morning. I, I was having a blast reading it. And that's, that's part of the greatness of it is how open the coaches were with you and not just, you know, it's not, inside football stuff that's all real technical i mean some of it the quotes are just amazing i mean calling their quarterback borderline crazy that was my favorite quote in there yeah. for the the one play he threw to tyler boyd it's just it's a fantastic read i recommend it for anybody who's even a marginal Bengals fan if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a little bit more than a mar marginal fan but tell all your friends tell your family this is something they need to read <laughs> tell your friends <laughs> uh yeah well uh, thanks jay I i'll say this um i'm excited to talk about it a little more here's what we're going to do uh i've got you know some of these interviews that i did 
the the coaches that I mentioned. There's some extras in there, and a lot of the and some of it is stuff that you will have read in the piece. But you know the way they talk about it and the inflection of some of the words, I think even brings it to life even more. So I'm, I plucked a few pieces that I liked that had some stuff that was in and out of stuff that I used, and some that I that wasn't used at all. Um, that we're gonna I, I want us to kind of touch on as we go through, and then we'll dive into Jay's Burrow stats, going deeper on that. So all of that coming your way on today's podcast um thank you guys for uh, coming in for it. we've been hyping it for a little over a week now we hope it lives up to it um let's start with this jay i will ask you the question that i asked these coaches what are your three favorite burrow plays from the first half well, you know, I I don't have the bat. The coaches know everything that goes into it, and and where he overcame adversity or looks that he wasn't expecting that type of thing. Mine were mine were just straight from watching it. Um, I don't have them ranked in any particular order. Let's go chronological. Okay. Um, my first is the. It was technically an inc- incompletion because T. Higgins went out of bounds in that Philadelphia game. But that that play where he extended it, extended it, rolling out, Zach's screaming, throw it away, throw it away. And he he throws it down the field, completes what looks like a completion, and just kind of he laughs at Zach for telling him to throw it away. And just the, the moxie and it it immediately watching that play, I flashed back to I believe it was the SEC championship game against Georgia where he had that crazy play where he extended it, extended it, and then right before he went out of bounds, threw a long pass down the sideline, completed it. It was just it was a really amazing play for one that didn't count. Um, the, the next one would be the third and 11 quarterback draw against the Browns. And I didn't – you know, you don't know anything that, that goes into it, but I just – I thought it was such – a great check because first of all, you know, it's fourth down territory. So quarterback draw, you're, you're, you're going to get four five, six, you're going to make fourth down manageable, but it, it wasn't so much that it was, he got the first down and he got up and did the, the emphatic first down signal. And we haven't seen a lot of that. Everybody knows he's a, a super competitive guy, but he's also this Joe cool guy and he doesn't show his emotions a whole lot. And when he jumped up and signaled first down, that just that really stood out to me, and not just that he I mean he lowered the shoulder and took on two Browns defenders to get that first down. It was just kind of everything that that Joe Burrow is about and then the the last one was the the one in the most recent game the the one where he threw the ball while Tyler Boyd was being held and not looked and then not looking and then Tyler Boyd turns around the ball's right on his chest as Darren Simmons, I think it was in your piece said he had no choice but to catch the ball um <laughs> just an amazing an amazing completion and the TV version is one thing, but if it's in your it's in your story, there's it's kind of a zoomed in look from the all twenty two, and you see what Joe Burrow sees when he throws that ball, and you have to be thinking. I think it was Zach that said it was a borderline crazy decision to throw that ball. Um, he's he's being held, Boyd's being held, he's not looking. Burrow throws it anyhow, and he he puts a little touch on it the last thing you want to do is put touch and throw soft over the middle um, a lot of those get picked off he did it because he knew he needed to buy a little extra time and it all worked out it was just it was that that one is maybe my favorite play of the whole lot it's hard to argue against that and I enjoyed uh my my favorite quote from that was you only do this if you're so comfortable in your own backyard <laughs> playing with your friend that oh, I'm gonna try this <laughs> you know and that's but that's you know I think that speaks to the comfort that Burrow has playing this game right now and, and where he's at. And, and I want to, you know, the, the, the one you mentioned against Philadelphia uh, was mentioned to me and it was sort of in a collection of play of ex, pl- extending the play stuff. And when that happened, you know, it's really fitting actually that T Higgins stepped out of bounds and it didn't end up counting because really what has been a difference and the coaches really harped on that has been such a big difference is that the players, the receivers in particular really are learning how to play with this guy that does this stuff. And then what happens later on, you see Higgins standing and just waiting for him to try to lob one up to him like that. And you complete it uh, for a big third down against Tennessee. The evolution, Boyd, the same way, learning how to play with a guy who's going to extend the plays, a guy who's just going to think, 
he's going to throw it to you when you're not looking and be ready for anything and always be going and never give up on a play. Brian Callahan talked about there being a belief. There's just a belief with every player now that no matter what down and distance, no matter what's going on on a play, he's going to find a way to get him out of it. And that makes it where there's just no quit ever. Everybody is waiting to see what if they can end up on the highlight reel next. Is he going to put me on the highlight reel? You know, whether you're talking about T. Higgins breaking off a fade all the way down the far end of the field and coming back across and Burrow throws a strike to him. You know, that's the far other side of the field, but coming across to make a play. And and it goes back to that really that Eagles one. It was one of the first times you saw that, and and I think it opened up people's eyes. And it, it, you have to feel like that type of stuff is what helps people, you know, believe that he's headed in a special direction. Is because imagine once the chemistry really starts to develop with these receivers, because Burrow he's just a different he's just a different guy to play with. I'm wondering, I'm trying to remember, because there was another play in that Eagles game where he extended the play the wrong way, where he he went back, he went to the right, and then he came back to the left Malik into Jackson the rush, and, and he got, he let, that's the only snap he's missed all year, because mm-hmm. he, he got the wind knocked out of him on that play. So there, even that, there was a learning, you would think maybe he would be a little gun shy about extending plays after something like that, and he has not been. He is, he's still, I, I think he's dialed it back some, um, but he's still that's one of the strengths of his game and we saw that right off the bat i was it the i can't remember if it was the jacksonville game um the first play of the game where it was a broken play and he he pointed aj to go deep and they were just a little off on the on you know whether he was going to flatten the rat out or head to the pylon but it's just he makes so many things happen off script that that's going to be one of the more fun things to watch in the second half of the season because you're right. That's that's guys getting used to getting getting in sync with with what he's thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Not not just getting used to the fact that he does it, but how he does it, when he does it, and what he wants them to do. And that's such a big part of his game, which I think these coaches really relayed is the the way that he is playing chess it's almost an insult to chess and that's not because i'm not and i'm not uh you know trying to give too much praise to burrow the quarterback position is almost an insult to chess when people say he's out there playing chess i mean there's just so much going on within a two second period and all that you're trying to realize you know i i, I kept i stopped these coaches a few times as they were talking through things and be like I, it's just he, when you hear them be like, well, and then he had to remember that, you know, three weeks ago, this, and then that play that, and then one time, and then the way the body language was on this, and he had to do all that within about three seconds. And it's like, it's just remarkable when you think about all that is trying to be processed to get to this level of playing quarterback. And that's kind of the, I think, where the the excitement and the awe in what he's been able to pull off in eight games comes from is that this is this is mastery in some of certain elements of the game. That, I mean, that word was used. Names like Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Manning were uttered not because he's at that level yet, or maybe even will or will be at that level, but certain aspects of the game that Joe does things that are on par with the way that these guys that are held on such high esteem do things which is to say headed in that direction has those elite skill traits in huge areas. And so I'll say I had, I had the same thing with you um, with Boyd and Higgins, the deep ball against Indianapolis because mm-hmm. it broke open. Every, we had, they had been waiting to really break the offense open over the top. And then to find out, you know, that, the coverage didn't quite look like what he thought it was going to look like, but he just had so much confidence that I'm ripping this ball regardless if I see anything that looks like that. And to just throw a dime right over the top of a – and when you're just like, you know, most – as it was said, you know, most quarterbacks would drop back, not super sure what I'm looking at here, check it down and just kind of be like, all right, that's – just take my first down and go. But to see it – and be like, no, I'm going to be aggressive. I'm ripping this ball and to drop it right in there to Higgins over the top for a 67 yard gain in the first explosive in a season where they had struggled so bad throwing it over the top. He's still just like, look, I'm throwing it. I don't care if we haven't hit many of these. We're going to. I'm going to. And to do it, I thought was big and it kind of felt like it opened the floodgates a little bit. 
All right, let's take a quick break from all the Burrow goodies to hear from a sponsor. One thing I want to get into to bring in uh, our first bit of audio is talking about that the no-look anticipation play that you mentioned, Jay. And I want to bring in Zach Taylor talking about it. Um, some of this is in the story. Some of it isn't. Um, but I just thought some of the detail in here. And if you haven't seen this play, um, go in, you obviously the, the videos are embedded in the story there to, to look at it. Uh, but, you know, it was it – was, the other thing was it was a huge spot in the game. A huge spot in the game, and um, if that if he does if they don't pull this off, the dynamics of the end you you open up meltdown, <laughs> you open up the the gates for defensive meltdown if this doesn't happen. And when you think about that on top of everything else, um, I think it shows you a lot. So here's here's Zach Taylor talking about the the play that was Tyler Boyd uh, having having to catch it because he had no other choice. So uh, here's Zach Taylor. So Joe knows that TV is being held. He knows where he's supposed to end up if he can get out of it. But Joe pushes up. He lets the ball go at the moment he does. TV's not even close to coming out of his break. And to me, Joe just floats it as much as you can humanly float a ball in a real-life game. This is like backyard football 101. You would never like really do this. It's You'd only do this if you're so comfortable in your own backyard playing with your friends that like, I'm just going to try this. And that's really what he does. He takes off. So he puts so much touch on this thing, floats it to where if TB is ever going to be able to pull out and react, this is the only way it's going to happen. And sure enough, TB pulls out and it hits him right in the chest. He has no choice but to catch it. <laughs> and I mean, now TB is used to that ball being out like right when he pulls out. So it's not, not shocking to him that a ball be thrown like before he can really locate it. Um, but it's just kind of the way Joe throws this, the touch he puts on it. TV's not even looking like he's even close to being able to get out of this thing. Uh, I just, I just like have such an appreciation for that confidence to throw that ball instead of just taking a sack. Like a lot of people probably would or waiting another second to see if he pulls away and therefore taking a sack or just, putting your eyes down and trying to find an escape route to get out of the pocket. Um, it's just very rare that you would ever just think I'm going to give this guy a chance by throwing this touch and seeing if he can pull out of it. It's just, that's borderline crazy. All right. So that was Zach Taylor. Um, you know, I think everything he said kind of speaks for the play and what it says and what it means. And, you know, about just the the anticipation, the confidence. It, it was kind of all of those things wrapped into one on one play, and uh, you know, just an, an incredible play. Here's the one that stuck out to me. That was my number one, though, Jay. Um, strictly after hearing about this, it's just it's a, this is the ultimate things. Just nobody would. I never would have known this, and it wasn't you know the bomb to Higgins that's across every. Twitter channel in the NFL. It wasn't, uh, you know, even the thing to Boyd where people are, you know, circulating it virally because it's pretty amazing. It looks like a standard in for 12 yards on a big drive on the drive that ended up being ending in the game. The go ahead touchdown, which also had the, the draw play in it, by the way. Talk about a drive. You're down four. Okay. And the big game winning drive that is a defining moment for Joe Burrow against Cleveland. Even though they didn't win, but they did everything to, he did everything he could, and you're pulling this stuff out of your hat. I mean, multiple plays like this. In that moment, he sets up. He sees Pratt. He's got a he's got a two man concept going on outside to the left. Okay, with Tyler Boyd and Mike Thomas, he sees both the corners pressing up against them. Okay, so he calls to a play that he had done before. He did it on fourth and four in the first Cleveland game five weeks prior. Okay, and it involved essentially a pick where Boyd goes underneath to the sideline and you can either cut it up or Burrow can throw it back shoulder. Burrow threw it back shoulder for a fourth and four conversion in the first game. Five weeks ago, in the moment, Burrow goes over, sees the press, checks to it again, then immediately sees the Browns cornerbacks look to each other, start talking, and kind of readjust. I mean, if you if you watch the all twenty two tape of this, it's a second and a half 
between his two checks because after he sees them talking, he goes and checks to the counter move immediately of that because he saw them talking. Says, "Oh, they know it. They're thinking the same thing that I was thinking. They think they're going to get that play." And when you watch the video, you know the corner with Boyd goes bolting for the boundary, thinking he's about to make the big play. Tyler Boyd sticks his foot in the ground, cuts it back into the middle. The guy, the corner is basically falling to the ground, going the outside. It leaves Boyd wide open, cutting up the middle. And if it weren't for Mike Thomas's guy literally falling down on a, down the field, uh, tripping, he was there in Boyd's way, or else Boyd probably goes for another fifteen to twenty yards on that play because it was wide open. Regardless, that's just ju- that's just this is in a guy's it, at that point seventh game in his career. Immediately in a second, not only pulling out a play from five weeks ago, understanding that they might have seen the same thing, reading their communication and altering it in the spot and then it getting executed. That, to me, is the details of greatness, and and that was, that was the one that blew my mind. That's the, the head, the blow mind emoji like that. That was the one of all of this that, you know, that is stuff that, a guy should not be able to do at this point in his career. Yeah, you know, you've been around the league for a little while. Yeah, this is what quarterbacks do. When you're when you're in the middle of your first season, that's next level stuff. It I mean, it kind of goes to what you talked about with it being chess because kudos to the Browns cornerbacks too for recognizing it. It was 5 weeks earlier and they recognized and they saw what was coming and then that is just crazy that that, that Joe could see just that that little interaction between them process it know he needs to check check to the the right counter check the other thing kudos to you as a screen crap screen cap grabber because <laughs> you, you you timed it at the exact perfect where the corner is in the oh shit fall down mode where <laughs> it's just it's, it's great you can really we're not allowed to put embedded video that's not from the nfl twitter account in these stories and you don't. You didn't need it on that. You just see the 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 Browns corner falling to the ground, realizing he thought he knew, but he didn't know. He did and not know. It was yeah that that was the play too for me that really stood out after reading your piece and realizing everything that went into it and the way that Joe processed it and really talking about this right now. Is I, I when we're done with this show, I think one of the things I want to do today is I want to go through the AP wire and I want to look and see. Because I noticed this last night, and with Brady, and obviously he's in a new offense, new team, but he had the the wristband with all the plays. Burrow doesn't do that. I, I wonder how many quarterbacks don't have that cheat sheet. He's doing this all in his head, and he's a rookie who's eight games in, and it's just it's really impressive. There are two different coach segments that I want to bring in off of this conversation right now. Uh, the first is going to be Brian Callahan talking about this was an open. This was, I don't think any of this was even in the piece. It's just kind of him starting off generally talking about how he just didn't think he would be able to do a lot of this stuff at this point, even for him being a little surprised of, wow, this is really impressive. The second one is a longer discussion from Darren Simmons about Burrow, the guy, the person, and not only that, there's a piece in there where he talks about his memory, and and we're going to touch on this when we come back, because you mentioned that Jay with the the you know with the uh, armband, I think that's importantly into both of these. So the first is going to be Brian Callahan talking about, it, and the second is special teams coordinator and assistant head coach Darren Simmons talking about seeing this guy. Now Simmy has been around the Bengals for a while. I mean, he's goes back to Marvin. He's 2003. He's been around this league for a while. He's very well respected. He understands what he's watching, understands football, played quarterback, understands locker rooms, understands dealing with all 53. And I thought his comments were particularly telling about Joe Burrow, the person, what he has meant to this team. So first, Brian Callahan. Second, Darren Simmons. Pull, pulls out a play that you guys hadn't even gone through in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean – Often does that happen in general? Like, obviously, you know, someone like Peyton is different, but like, with like an average NFL quarterback in his sixth uh, year, is that stuff that happens a lot? No, no. Probably guys that have been playing in the same system for a while, you know? Yeah. Um, it's something you might see, uh, um, like Stafford would do occasionally. 
Um, you know, I'm sure Brady does to some degree. Uh, I know like you see, as I'm watching, as the more I watch Derek Carr and his third year Gruden, you see him do some stuff. Um, you know, Manning, Manning for sure. I mean, that, he was the, he was the king of like once it's in, it's in. Like if it gets talked about once, you better be ready for it. Yeah. Um, you know, 10 weeks from now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that, it's not something at all that I would have expected, even as good as I thought he was going to be. I wouldn't have expected him to be able to do that. Like that just the depth of his uh, mental capacity is, is surprising. Yeah. Um, like the things that he, the things that, and then not only that, like a lot of guys can know these things, you know, like they can talk about it or, you know, they can watch the game afterwards on a Monday. Like, Oh yeah, I could have got to this. or could have got to that, whatever. But like to do it in real time and to see and to react, uh, you know, in that 15 seconds or so that you probably have to do it. That's, that's what separates them. Yeah. Um, as a young player. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, he does things that are not normal for young, young football players <laughs> um, at all. His understanding of defenses at, at, at this point in his career and what defenses are trying to do, I think, scares the hell out of opposing defensive coordinators. I think the opposing defensive coordinators know and they feel it. And they just know it's a matter of time uh, before we can get the piece, all the pieces put together here that – that uh, this is going to be something to be reckoned with. I really think, though, that I've never been around someone that, that has the feel and the understanding just for offensive football that this guy does and just knowing exactly. When you watch this guy go out there and walk in a walkthrough, okay, and him go through his progressions and reads, it's and it, it's crazy. And it, it, just the, the feel that he has as a young guy. As a young player, just his his overall knowledge. I think this guy is so hyper competitive. I don't know, you know, I've, I've been around some super competitive guys that uh, have used that to their advantage. I mean, Steve Smith. I think I've told you this before. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have, maybe I have. Whenever we got Steve, Steve Smith was probably one of the most hyper competitive guys I've ever been around. Yeah, um, and he used that. He used people, other people's doubt because of his size and where he came from to fuel him. And he, he, he fought that. He, he, it was a street fight to him every day that he yeah. walked in the building. And especially as a young guy. You know, I, I think Chad was a competitive guy to start with, you know, and then when we first got here. Yeah. Um, but, and I think this guy has the same genes, the same, there, there are, there are uh, competitive guys and there are alphas, and, and this guy is an alpha leader. Yeah, I mean, he's for for a team to a for a team to elect a rookie quarterback as a captain speaks volumes. Yeah, I've never seen it. I mean, I was trying to go back and look, and I was like looking through other guys, even guys that were star- immediate starters, and this that still was. Yeah. I, I never, I, I mean, I couldn't find it anywhere where there was record of any that happening. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, this guy, this guy, the second he walked in the building, you know, always for rookie players, they're so worried that they're so worried about, hey, they don't want to come in and upset the balance of the team or, you know, I'm a rookie. It's just a veteran locker room. I think this is a different situation. I, I, I think our team was looking for somebody to lead them. And the, the, this guy is, is coming and done that. And just his, just his, his competitive, I mean, this guy walks in the building with that, that steely eye look on his face and it never changes. Yeah. It seems and, like, uh, I mean, he, it, I mean, you're right. He's the perfect, he was the perfect guy for you guys in this moment. Oh, in, of French. Yeah. I mean, sure. it was just, you couldn't have for a better sure. fit. You know, for sure. You know, I, I think on that side of all, you're looking for leadership Really, on, on all sides. You're, you're, you're looking for leadership and you're, you're looking for somebody who has, you know, skins on the wall, but I, I, I think it was a different deal with this guy. You know, there have been comparisons, you know, guys who have come up through the ranks that have been good for in college for a year or two and been in the middle of Heisman, but, but this guy is different. When you when we sat down and talked to this guy at the combine, it was very different. Yeah. Okay? But when we put, you put plays up, you know, from this guy's season at LSU, and 
you could just flash the the original uh, uh, picture of the video that showed the scoreboard and the down and distance. This guy could his recall. He could tell you what the situation was, what the score was, you know, what the flow of the game was. Yeah. And and what they were trying to do, and then what happened. It's wild. And not everybody can have that recall like that. And that's why I think the guy's got a photographic, you know, memory of, of stuff that 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 he can pull from, whether it's at LSU, whether it's earlier in the game, whether it's a different game. Yeah. That uh, it, it, it's just it, it, it's really unique. All right. Uh, again, much thanks to Brian Callahan and Darren Simmons as well for uh, going so in depth and and being you know. So upfront and uh, re- just being really good on this topic. Uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about Joe Burrow, so it's not hard for them to sort of glow on a guy that is kind of changing their lives a little bit. <laughs> uh, but you know, still, it, it was great to hear the, a couple of things from Darren that I want to that I want to touch on and discuss with you, Jay. The one being it it gave me pause when I heard it, and he just said, "That's why I say this guy has a photographic memory." You know, pointing out at the combine, yeah, we just throw a screen up of the time of game and this, and he would go into the flow of the game, the what would happen next, what happened before, every single thing from stuff from his season all the way back. And he says, you see it play out now. And when we talk about, you know, being able to quickly go to checks from things from five weeks ago and counter checks from five weeks ago and understand... You know, that this guy has a photographic memory. Jay, you, we had the story on The Athletic last week about the S2 scores mm-hmm. um, out of Nashville, which is fascinating, um, and about how Joe Burrow was off the charts on S2. They'd never, they'd never seen anything like this uh, from these people that have started this new sort of metric for trying to gauge intangibles. You know, I even talked to Darren a little bit about this, and he's like, you know, ev- you know everybody has the new thing, and, and I, well, obviously we all were aware of these scores, but then you see it. It's like, it's one thing. Yeah. The metric we're all, we'll wait to see how those play out to being real and actually, you know, becoming something. It's like, there's always the new wave of those types of, you know, I can judge mental acuity here, but then he's like, but this connects. He's like, you see it in front of you. You see it every day. This connects to this guy having some freaking, you know, beautiful mind, so to speak for football and, and in stuff like this and the photographic memory stuff, I, that, that to me, that phrase stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I, I not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> toot my my friends kind of are amazed when I they will bring up a play from a game in the past or a game or you know something crazy that happened and I and I remember where I was when it happened, what I was unless doing. Unless it was in college. Unless it was in college. Well, you don't. That's true. I just wasn't watching <laughs> when I was in college. I, I do remember some of those college games. But um, Well, you remember where you were uh, yeah. <laughs> when you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that those are like they're, – they're plays that you're talking about 20 years later. So, of course, they're going to they're gonna kind of stand out. And um, a lot of times it's – you know, if we're talking college football games, it's oh, that was at so and so's wedding. The, we had to miss that game because of, <laughs> we were at this wedding. But I mean, for Burrow to, for like Darren Simmons to throw up a slide from a game, and and it could be a random third down in the second quarter, and and he's able to pull that kind of stuff out. That's just it's staggering. And if you guys haven't read Joe Rexroad's piece yet on the S two scores in Nashville, it's 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 a really good story, and it talks about how. You know, they a lot of teams use it, a lot of successful teams use it, and Burrow was almost perfect in that. Well, yeah, 97%. Yeah. Um, it's just, it just shows you it, it's one thing to have the talent, but when you can, when you can put that kind of rapid thought processing and rapid recall together, that's, that's where special comes into play. Yeah. And, and it, and it has to because, you know, and he will say himself, and I think he said, I, I remember all the way back in the combine, him saying it was, I, I, I don't, I'm not an athlete. I'm, you know, he's, he's not Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have an arm like Patrick Mahomes. That, that's not my, you know, I, I have to do everything else to play at their level. And this is his superpower, right? I mean, we, talk, we talked about Daniel Jeremiah's quote from the lead up about how, you know, once LSU 
allowed Joe Burrow to work out of empty and be the processor extraordinaire, they unlocked his superpower. You know, it'd be like all of a sudden deciding, hey, maybe we should let Patrick Mahomes throw it longer than 30 yards. You know, it's like, okay, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's accentuate that. And boom, everything opens up for you. That's what's, that's what has made Joe Burrow great. And to the average person, and even to my, I mean, myself, and we're talking to these coaches, we're talking to Burrow regularly, we watch these games, you know, it's just stuff that you just don't see and don't quite understand if you don't know. You have to know that, okay, this play broke down in front of them or that these, there's no way to know that unless you're literally in the room. And so it does accentuate sort of what he does best, which I think most people, it, you just there's no way to really know exactly what he's doing best unless you're these coaches that are in the room with him. And that's why I, I, I was so happy with how this story unfolded because I just thought it really does bring a lot of that stuff to life. The other thing I want to touch on before I get into the last quote from Dan Pitcher um, is the alpha stuff now we know joe burrow the leader like these the legends of these stories um go on and on but you know i thought you know darren simmons knows this place he knows this locker room he knows he's seen quarterbacks come through that have been taken number one overall he's seen quarterbacks that have been asked to lead very talented teams he's seen a lot and he's and you know he kind of has come away amazed at what this guy is as a leader and talk using the alpha word and talking about um, Steve Smith and his uber competitors, how there's a difference between being uber competitive and being the alpha and how he makes everybody believe. And that right there, as we've said since he was drafted, and I don't know if we thought it would happen this quickly, is why he was perfect for this organization from day one, because this organization desperately needed someone to make them believe that in any situation, he'll find a way to get it done for them and give them and set an example of how everyone needs to follow and come follow me. Let's do this. And he's already done it, you know, a half season in. And I thought somebody who's been around this long um, to say this stuff. And Darren is very genuine and honest. Like I've heard him not be so glowing <laughs> about players in the past when we've talked to him and not afraid to say that and not afraid to go, you know, but when he, when it is this way, it's just truth teller for him through his eyes. This is something special that we're seeing for him personality wise as well. Yeah. That's one thing with Andy. Uh, he, he took, you know, some criticism for not being that, that alpha leader. And I think he kind of came into a, a spot where it was Whitworth was the leader in that locker room. And there were some other leaders in that locker room. And he was, he didn't want to be what Joe Burrow has established himself as, as, as a guy that came in as a rookie and kind of just took control. He was, he was content to, to sit back and, and kind of, you know, throw deference to the veterans and let them be the leaders. And then year one turns into year two, turns into year three, turns into year four. Then by the time those guys are gone, then to try to step up into that leadership role, it it feels a little false. It feels a little phony. That's that's not who you are. It feels like you're just you're trying to jump into this new situation. And for for Joe to come in and there was a vacancy there. This this team didn't really have. I mean, we saw with the number of new guys that were voted captains this year, um, it was kind of a, a perfect spot for for Joe Burrow to enter. But regardless, it is it is still super impressive for for a guy to to come in as a rookie and be named a captain, and then not just be named a captain, but to live up to it. I mean, he has really just grabbed this team and is leading it, and it's it's just one more reason why the the optimism is so high that that this is the start of a, a turnaround and i know people can roll their eyes and say the front office is still the same this is still the same that's still the same but it it does really feel like that that joe burrow is the difference maker that they they have needed for such a long time and we're we're on the ground floor of something pretty special quarterbacks cover up organizational awards they cover up roster warts. They just do. And 
that's why you that's why it was what they needed. I mean, there was really no other way. We've seen that can they build a super deep roster? Like, yeah, they tried that, didn't quite get them over the top. You know, it got them to the same place every year. They were limitations. But if you have the right quarterback and coach quarterback combination, obviously, um, you know, you have that, you can overcome a lot of things, you know. Maybe it doesn't happen as fast as it could have if they were you know, more aggressive and had more successful churn, whether you're talking about trades or free agency or more successful draft picks from the last couple of years or whatever, stockpiling, you know, maybe it's not it happened like it, like it kind of is happening in Miami when they did the super turn the, and, you know, maybe that's not happening, but eventually you get there because if you have the quarterback, eventually you can get there. You're just going at the Bengals pace. That's all. Uh, <laughs> let's, one last thing I want to touch on before we get into the second half expectations, and that's this kind of element of, you know, <laughs> this happens to quarterbacks all the time, and I think this is something I think that kind of brought to light a little bit, and maybe something we didn't see as much from Andy Dalton, um, and was kind of always a knock on him when you watch, was Andy, great at reading the defense, great at understanding what's going to happen and, and how the game works, great at getting the ball out quickly and knowing his first read. The knock on Andy would almost always come from what happens after the snap is when things go haywire is being able to then quickly react on your feet and make plays and make spontaneous plays and, and, and get to the the next level, right? I think what's interesting is is how many times the play, some of these plays that have been so good by Burrow have blown up in front of him. And the perfect example of it that, that quarterback coach Dan Pitcher gave was – on the second drive in Indianapolis that led to a touchdown um, was about, it was about 20 the third down conversion, about 20 yards over the middle of Tyler Boyd. And it was not because it was some incredible play. He, you know, holds the linebacker with his eyes by looking to the outside, immediately snaps and throws and drops a dime over top of him between, in between, you know, in the middle of a zone uh, over top of his head to Tyler Boyd for the conversion that play in itself is very nice. Nice play. Congratulations. Keep the drive going. The play blew up in front of him for what it was supposed to be, what they thought it was going to be, what it was designed to do. And yet, he, it, everything goes haywire in front of him. He's not seeing anything he thought he would see. All he knew was, boom, find the linebacker, hold him, drop it over his head. Thinking on your feet quickly, immediately like that, and making it look like chaos didn't happen in front of him, is some of the wild stuff too. And I want to just bring in Pitch talking about um that particular play and kind of how that all worked and what it and kind of the things that we're talking about here. Here's Bengals quarterback coach Dan Pitcher. The thing that really stood out was, you know, we had we had really kind of prepared him for a specific look on third down, giving him some tools in terms of how he could adjust the protection, how he you know, how he needed to see fit. And so he saw a look, he made a change. And as is often the case, you know, we talk about what we think is going to happen. And then there are times when we're, you know, we're right on the money. And those those make you feel great as a coach, right? Because you feel like, oh, we, we gave him the answers of the test before it happened. And, uh, you know, it's easy to go out there and make plays. But most of the time, it doesn't happen that way. You know, it, there's like shades of what you think are going to happen happen and then there's other variables that you didn't predict and so this is one of those cases where okay hey here's a tool you can use if you think you're getting a certain look go ahead and use it um and then react if it doesn't happen well it didn't happen uh but he you know like he often does just reacted on his feet and was able to use his eyes to move a linebacker and open up this giant void in the coverage and you know get us a really what turned out to be a pretty easy completion down the field to, to, to Tyler on that second drive. Um, so that was just a evidence to me of, okay, this kid, not only is he prepared, not only is he ready to get to, you know, some of the, some of the answers that we give him, but when the, when it doesn't play out exactly like we think he can think on his feet and make it happen anyway. Um, and so that was kind of, that was, that was a, a real, um, that play that, you know, just specifically the eye manipulation he used, it's something that you wouldn't that it's just the normal Joe watching the game might not pick up on um, because it's subtle. 
but it but it makes all the difference in the world uh, on some of these plays over the middle of the field. All right, that was uh, Dan Pitcher, Bengals quarterback coach. Um, also, thanks to Brad Cragthorpe. I, I didn't include any of his audio in here. Most of that the stuff that I got from him is in the story, but he was great as well. Um, you know, just I think we kind of covered a lot of ground. There's a lot more in the story if you uh, you know want to go and read through the videos and and a little bit more of the interactive nature of it is of course up on the site uh, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, go to theathletic.com, click on the link, um, and you we have if you're not a subscriber, we have subscription discounts going. So just click on the link and you can see uh, the offer there. And we'd love to have you join. You can do a free trial, of course. We always love you to come take a test drive. A lot of good stuff up right now. Uh, I have 60 thoughts on the Bengals, a thought on each Bengals player up right now. Jay uh, has uh, what we're about to talk about, the stat extrapolation and awesome story from last week of uh, Hall of Fame slash quality receivers talking about facing father time and what that battle looks like and as we look through the lens of A.J. Green and what he's dealing with. That was really cool stuff, Jay. I uh, really enjoyed that story. Yeah, it was fun to do, trying tracking those guys down, trying to track down a few more guys. Um, it, it was it was interesting that the, the, their perspective and, and one of the, the most interesting ones I thought was, was Tim Brown saying that, um, yes, receivers can – you know, change and adapt as they get older. Sometimes they have to, but their their role can't. Like AJ Green can become a different receiver on this team, but he cannot he cannot settle into a a lesser role with this team. If he if he's going to settle into a lesser role, he's going to have to do it somewhere else because you have a role on the field and you have a low role in the locker room. And if you're willing to accept a lesser role, kind of you know the opposite of what we saw with with Carlos Dunlap. Um, guys start looking at you like, what do you mean you don't, you're okay with this? And, um, I just thought that was really interesting. It doesn't, doesn't mean that the, the, he's headed for a lesser role or he's headed elsewhere, but it was just an, an interesting perspective, um, from a guy that played in this league for a long time and saw a lot of guys come and go. Um, just that, that AJ needs to continue to be AJ if he's going to stay in this locker room. Yeah. I also, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, no. also I, I've been trying for weeks to get Eddie Edwards, the Bengals career yes. sack leader. It's so good. And he he just, he wouldn't return my calls. He wouldn't return my texts. And I was like, All right, I guess he just doesn't want to talk about it. I mean, Carlos Dunlap was so close since week five. He's been one away from, from tying his record. And then Thursday out of the blue, I get a call from Eddie Edwards and he's ready to talk because Carlos is gone. <laughs> he didn't want to jinx him. And it was just great. Just th- th- how how honest and open he was that you know I like Carlos he's a nice kid but I didn't want him to get my record I'm I'm happy that it's still still standing and he had a he had a great story from the freezer bowl and it was just it was really I'd never talked to him before in my life and it was like we were old friends it was just a, a really fun conversation what I love about that story and it, it, it was there's so many other good elements to that was so often when guys get their records broken we hear from them being so gracious and being oh you know what just happy it went to such a good guy and records are meant to be broken and i had a good run and now you get the opposite you're like yes it survived the record is saved i deserve this this is my record baby like i just i love the other side of it uh from eddie edwards that was really that was really cool i i i definitely appreciated that All right, before we go on, let's take a quick break. Let's go into Jay's Got Stats. The Burrow, the 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 Burrow Nanza, Jay's Got Stats. (laughs) That's what this should have been. Yes. Not Burrow Sode. It was the Burrow Nanza. Yeah, we missed it. What are we doing? This is amateur hour. <laughs> we can go back or, and edit it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think us discovering it mid episode is much better. Yeah. Uh, just like Joe Burrow, you know, you, just, you adapt on the fly. That's us. Uh, so Burrow Nanza, Jay's got stats here, um, which turned into a full deep dive into the twenty best quarterback seasons, uh, dating back to Peyton Manning. Um, just take me through uh, the process of diving into these numbers and maybe what some of your biggest takeaways were from kind of, uh, you know, just looking through the lens of history. 
Yeah, I wanted to obviously look at guys that that started at least twelve games as rookies. The main thing was to see what kind of improvement there was from the first eight games to the second eight games. That That's not always the case. Not every rookie thrown in to start right away uh, gets 16 games. Um, not you, you have guys like Baker Mayfield, who it was week four before he started. So if, for those guys, if they play, if they had 12 starts, I looked at first six versus last six. And it was, I was surprised. You would think that as a, quarterback gets further into his rookie year he the game slows down and he starts getting more familiar with defensive concepts and he gets more familiar with his teammates and kind of like we talked about the chemistry with Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd and that that there's going to be this this just this straight incline of performance and that's not the case at all I was really surprised that most most of these guys either level off or fall off in the second half of their rookie years. And there, you know, you can figure there's reasons for that. There's, there's that typical rookie wall where they're, they're playing more than, than they're used to playing. There's defenses getting film on them and getting, being able to exploit their weaknesses and, and take advantages of those. There's guys, as I point out in the story, a lot of these guys are thrown in right off the, the jump because they're, their top one, two, three, five, whatever it is, picks. They're going to teams that are really bad that are just, let's just throw them in and start the turnaround right now. And teams in that situation do not have deep, deep rosters and injuries happen in the NFL. So the, these quarterbacks may survive, but pieces start going down around them and it's, it's already a suspect roster and then it just gets worse. So there's, there's so many different things that, that factor into it, but it's still, surprised me that that there there were so many that either leveled off or fell off um, from their first half performances and there were some outliers Baker Mayfield was one of the ones probably the most the best comp for Joe Burrow even though Baker didn't start right off the bat he was a number one overall pick Heisman winner uh, went to a bad team the Browns were 0-16 before he got there and hit the ground running and just he, he didn't he didn't get off to quite as great of a start as Joe Burrow did, but then he just, the second half of the season and part of that was getting rid of Hugh and he, he was, he was happy to do that. He felt like he won there and him and Freddie Kitchens kind of had a, a, a good rapport. Um, but there, there are guys like that. Russell Wilson didn't get off to a great start, but really turned it on in the second half of the season. But again, he's a third round pick that went to a team that was seven and nine the year before he wasn't, it wasn't an apples to apples comparison with, with what Joe Burrow's doing. And, um, there were a few other guys that did make slight improvements, but if you're if you're banking on Joe Burrow going to a complete another level in the second half of the season, history suggests that's probably not going to happen. But everything Joe, Joe Burrow has been about so far is proving people wrong and, and kind of bucking trends. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. One of I one of the things I did look at was through eight games where he ranks. And in terms of completion percentage, second best among rookie quarterbacks to only Ben Roethlisberger. Ben was 69.7. Joe is 67.0. Um, passing yards, he's third. Andrew Luck and Cam Newton were just a little bit ahead of him. Um, that That's a good comparison. Obviously, the league has changed, um, but it hasn't it hasn't changed that much. Cam Newton was 2011. Andrew Luck was 2012. Uh, touchdown passes, he's tied for seventh. Um, interceptions per attempt, he's tied for fourth fewest. Um, and then uh, passer rating, he's sixth. So pretty much every stat across the board except yards per attempt. He was just outside the top 10 at 11th. But he is he is up there with the best rookie years, the best, best rookie first halves of all time. The question is, can he keep it going? Yeah. And it was so much about the you know the prognostication of his second half is looking at the last four you know he he's weighed down by those first couple of weeks where you know he was getting pounded and and there was just the yards per attempt in particular were so low figuring out and that's part of everybody goes through some portion of that I don't know how many quarterbacks were getting pounded the way he was getting pounded through the first three or four games though maybe Andrew Luck. Yeah, I mean, that's why. But I mean, still, I mean, that's 
that's a big part of this because if you if you take the last four or five weeks and then you if that's what his second half looks like, his numbers will be, you know, he'll be one of those that that go up in the second half. Yeah, they nobody took the pounding that that he did. I, I did measure sacks and I didn't put it in the story just because I, I felt there was so much in there already and it was just gonna kind of bog it down. But like a Kyler Murray was sacked twenty six times in the first eight games last year. Uh Mayfield twenty six. Uh you mentioned Andrew Luck. He was sacked nineteen times in the in the first eight games and then twenty two more in the second eight. You do see most of those guys' sack numbers go down um once they start get better at reading defenses and reading blitzes and, and that type of thing. But um yeah, twenty what is he at? Twenty eight right now? I believe twenty eight. That's that's by far the most of, of anybody in this in this group. Yeah, and one other thing, and you mentioned this, and I, I I do find it interesting, and that is the the Baker Mayfield comp. There's you're I mean you're right. There's so many similarities, and I, I think when you look at you know what you're asked to do as a number one overall pick, and that is where the league has changed. That is where the league, in a lot of ways, has altered. There were, there are so many more examples. I mean, look across the league right now. I mean, two is in there now. Justin Herbert's in there now. Kyler Murray from last year. You know, Baker. I mean, there's there is just so many quarterbacks that have been thrown into the fire and are playing well very quickly. Um, that. This there are there is more to that, and I think Baker is the perfect example. I mean, there's just a lot of similarities to the way they've played their rookie year and kind of what they were asked to do. Except Burrow was in from week one instead of coming in a few games after Tyrod gave it up uh, with Hugh. But you know, I, that'd be great, right? Like, because because everybody was all in on Baker Mayfield after the first year, and he that that was by all accounts a great foundation because it has not continued to ascend since then doesn't mean that isn't still a great foundation that any quarterback should want to start on especially if he can end up seven eight and one like baker mayfield that would be exactly what you want uh if you won five more games or if you finish the season uh five and three uh because that is probably the more important aspect of this team needs to start finishing and winning games and they'll have some winnable games yeah another interesting comp um, and he didn't count because he didn't have eight games yet, but was Justin Herbert. And he, he played his seventh game yesterday. And by the time he plays his eighth game, I'm not sure if they're on a bye next week. or but He could be number one on, on every one of these lists. Where he's at right now, um, and it's really interesting because not only did they come out in the same draft class, but um, Zach and the rest of the Bengals staff got to know him in the, in the pre-draft process as well as anybody by coaching him in the senior bowl. And they, they loved the kid, but there, there was no way he was going to be able to do enough to, to make them come off of, of their, the, I mean, the decision to draft Joe Burrow was already made at that point. But, um, that is, he, he's going to be a guy to watch because he's, he's already got 17 touchdowns. He's got a few, he's got a lower interception to attempts ratio than Burrow. It is, it is really amazing what he's doing right now, and as as good as Joe is on all those lists, uh, Justin Herbert could be number one on pretty much all of them. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's been he has been exceeded expectations certainly that I had, and I think you know judging by where he was picked that that most had, and he, he's just he's proven to be a guy who was a, maybe arguably I mean a better fit for the NFL than for Oregon. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it just seems like his body type and the way he throws and his type of game uh, is what the NFL demands, maybe even more so than college football does. And not that he wasn't great at Oregon, but I've just it's been astounding kind of to watch how quickly he has translated and how well he has translated, even though the Chargers just find new ways to charge her every single week. <laughs> Bengals fans can certainly I mean, the fact that it really it was I mean, the fact that the Bengals and the Chargers really just had sort of like a, you know, a, a crap off, you know, where the <laughs> Dude, somebody had to win, and it took like the maybe the biggest um, chargering or bangling that happened all year was the Randy Bullock yikes, uh, and it was kind of fitting that it came between those two teams. Um, all right, that that was really good stuff. One other thing I want to talk about when projecting the second half of the season, I don't, I don't, you know, there's a couple things about the rookie wall, 
And that one is that Joe Burrow basically just played a full NFL season last year at LSU. I mean, when you talk about SEC title game, multiple playoff games, and the season that I mean, but you know, you're you played a full season. So I there is, and we all know that he got better as it went along last year. Anybody that watched the playoffs. So I think there's less worry about that. I mean, there's some because this is a high, way more intense schedule. You know, it's a far more intense experience, way more hits, all that stuff. I mean, that's very much in play. The other thing is to watch how, you know, why I'm really intrigued by both Steelers games. And obviously the Ravens a second time, depending on we'll see where things are at in week 17. Uh, Houston, who has a really good defensive line with, you know, Watt and Merce, all those guys. How he handles the really great pass rushing teams again. Because, you know, we saw what happened against the Ravens. Okay. Look, let's just be honest. Tennessee, even in Cleveland, has Miles Garrett, but they haven't had much else. Um, and Miles Garrett tore him up and caused all kinds of problems, by the way. Tennessee's pass rush is terrible. And some of these teams, you know, the Eagles had a really good pass rush and they put a bunch of hits on Joe Burrow. How does he handle the really good pass rushing teams? Because this this team just is not in position with their offensive line to really protect against these really high-end defensive teams as far as pass rush goes. And is Burrow able to adjust his game to get himself out of games that look like Baltimore, to not get shook like he did a little bit at Baltimore, taking too many hits, trying to extend plays? Because you know what will happen? The the really good pass rushes will hunt you down and eat your soul. They <laughs> they will like they will find that's why they're the best. That's why they are who they are because there's too many of them and they hunt and kill. And that's the difference. How will Joe Burrow, who wants to extend plays, wants to be playmaker, avoid games that look like Baltimore? I'm really interested to see Pittsburgh. You know, and both of those games. And to see how he evolves in that level, because those games, Baltimore, Houston, um, are going to be really interesting ones. Washington, a little bit, um, are going to be really interesting to watch as far as how he handles some of the better pass rushes. Because we know what he does against the ones that can't get home very much. He tears them up, uh, at least certainly with this receiving core. Yeah, it's it's good that you mentioned that because it's not it's not just the pass rush; it's it's the overall defenses. I, I looked at DVOA defensive rankings of yep. who the Bengals have the second half of the season. They have two games against the Steelers, who are number two in DVOA. Washington is number four. So bang bang, right out of the gate, out of the bye, he's got two of the best defenses in the league. Uh, Baltimore's number five. Miami's up to number eleven, um, and then you have the flip side: Giants eighteen. Cowboys 24, Texans 28. And the Texans do have a good pass rush, uh, even though their overall defense isn't that good. So there is one more data point of, of why it's going to be hard for, for Joe Burrow to replicate what he did in the first half and the second half. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And, and, or maybe and if he does, it'll make it you know that much more impressive when you consider some of the defenses he'll face, and particularly Steelers twice, because uh, they are just a nightmare. Um all right, so let's dive into a little run passer boot action. Okay, specifically Joe Burrow second half run passer boot. We've got what will be the greatest increase. Now we're going to go percentage on this, right? We have to go yeah. percentage, percentage of the total. Touchdowns, which are 11, interceptions, which are 5. Are we going in the good direction or the bad direction on interceptions? The good direction? I um. Yeah, I guess we do need to go in the good direction. We'll go in the good direction. Although that would be harder. We can do it. All right, or Wizards or yards per attempt. What will go up by the greatest percentage, or in the case of interceptions, down in the good direction in the greatest percentage? Um, do you have your answer? I do. I'm going to run with touchdowns. Um, as good as he's been, eleven is. It, it, I mean, that's what less than one point two five per game, or yeah. right, right around one point two for. He's five. been running them in, and so yeah. that's been part of it too. Is like, okay, it's kind of stolen some passing touchdowns from him a little bit. But I, I still feel like that eleven number has a chance to be uh, substantially higher than than what 
is going to happen elsewhere. Um, I'll, it's hard. The, the other two, um, I, I'll run with yards per attempt, even though he's already at 6.9 and there, there's not, I mean, even if he goes crazy and, and goes like 8.9 in the second half, that's, that's only what, like a 27, 28% increase. Um, I, I still think that's more likely than, than him throwing, you know, even if he throws three interceptions, that's, that's a 40% betterment. Um, that, that just doesn't seem likely. It feels like he's, he's going to be, we, we've seen it, that, that this offense is what it is. They're going to let Joe cook and he's, he, the good thing is he hasn't had a multiple interception game yet, but you feel like that, that might be coming in one of these Steelers or in the Ravens game. And I just, I can't see him really improving, you know, five, five interceptions in your first eight games for rookie. You'll take that. Um, it, it seems a long shot that that he can throw even fewer than five in the second eight games. I'm with you. I, yeah, I feel like interceptions are going to be higher. He's also had some that sh- he's had some turnover worthy plays. Mm. Um, that sh- that number probably should be higher. Um, so I, I'm with you. I will say uh, interceptions. I will boot. I'll boot interceptions. I guess then, and I'll run. Um, I, I'm tempted to run with yards per attempt, but. You know, I think they're going to score, man. I just, I just think the offense is good enough that they're going to score, and I think he's going to, I think he's going to get up there in the area of that Baker Mayfield record for touchdown passes by a rookie. I do, and I think we could see a pretty big jump there. So I'm going to run with TDs, and I'm going to pass on yards per attempt, which I also think will go up, but I think he'll throw some more picks. So that's uh, that, that's it's a good run pass, but we'll see how that plays out over the course of the year. Um. All right, man. This was fun. This was fun. I like uh, I like sing- this. The bye week was a nice chance for us to kind of dive in on one single topic, and there's no bigger topic than this. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Well, on the Growler on Thursday, we will be all in on Steelers Week with all the updates of what's going on. Of course, the Bengals have COVID cases right now shutting down their Monday practice. So we'll have lots to update uh, on this as the as the week goes on and talking about the Steelers uh, being in that 4 o'clock window. The, at least they didn't go all the way to primetime. You got that going for you. So um, plenty to discuss. The Growler will be extra packed with game week stuff this week, but I hope everybody enjoyed the Burrow Sode or the Burrow Nanza, which is what it really should have been from the top. So uh, we'll be back with the Growler on Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good one. Everybody.